0: The situation in Russia and Ukraine quickly changing as we hear that people are fleeing Ukraine. We know well over 2 million since the war began in February. And many trying to get out of the port city of Mariupol, telling stories of a decimated community. Where are we going from here and what are the chances of a ceasefire and eventually peace talks? Oral Brown, Professor of International Relations and Political Science at University of Toronto and Associate of the Davis Centre at Harvard University, joining us this evening. Professor Brown, thanks so much for your time this evening.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: I think people, as we watch this from the outside looking in, wonder, first of all, did Vladimir Putin think it would go on this long. And where is he going from here? Do you have any idea and speculation on what's going to happen in Ukraine?
1: Well, it is speculation because, of course, we cannot get into the mind of Vladimir Putin. But to the extent that we can discern his motives and the way he operates. And back in 2014, I already wrote a piece where I warned that unless the West stood up to him, his ambitions are only going to grow He uh, clearly has miscalculated. He had expected a quick victory, and he almost had it. If uh, the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, had followed the defeatist advice of the Biden administration and had fled, as he was told he should do to save himself, instead of staying and rallying the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian armed forces and saying to Mr. Biden and the West, I need ammunition. I'm not looking for a ride. Indeed, Vladimir Putin may have had that quick victory, but he has not. So now he's looking at how he stays in power, because if he is defeated or seems to be defeated, he may lose power, and he will try to do whatever he can to stay in power.
0: We keep hearing of the concerns of Putin being almost cornered, pushed into a corner and what he could do to act out. And that's where there is this concern. And we have heard the talk of nuclear weapons. Is that a possibility or would that be too big of a move for Vladimir Putin to take?
1: No one can say with absolute certainty, but it's highly unlikely that this is more than nuclear blackmail. That is why we're supposed to have deterrence. That's why we have nuclear weapons. So we're not in a situation where he can dictate to us that we cannot help Ukraine, that we have to stand by and watch the mass butchery of the Ukrainian people and not provide them with even the defensive help that they are pleading to get. Vladimir Putin has not shown himself to be suicidal. He is not a fanatical technocrat who hopes to be rewarded in an afterlife. He is a wealthy, corrupt individual who craves power, wants to stay alive, wants to enjoy his wealth, wants to have his family stay alive. So it is highly unlikely that he would risk all of that. But he will try to do whatever short of a nuclear war to try to stay in power, especially if if he can continue to intimidate uh, the West. And the West needs leadership. Uh, The president of Ukraine was saying to Mr. Biden, be a leader, be the leader of the free world. In other words, he was showing to Mr., uh, telling Mr. Biden, show some courage, show some leadership. The only major leader in the West who has shown that kind of leadership, who seems to have a strategic vision, is Boris Johnson of Britain, who said Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine must fail, and must be seen to fail. Because Boris Johnson understands that Western deterrence had failed. It has to be rebuilt. And it can only be rebuilt by defeating uh, Vladimir Putin. And there is a kind of perverse irony that here was the United States that had pumped over a trillion dollars into Afghanistan, where the president of Afghanistan fled. The army did not want to fight. And here's the Ukraine. But the president of Ukraine has become a Churchillian figure, where the Ukrainians are fighting against astonishing odds, in many cases winning, and the West is not willing to provide them with many of the armaments that they have been pleading to get, such as more anti aircraft uh, missiles, longer range ones, more anti tank missiles, more sanctions. And it's hard to understand the timidity. Of the biden administration except for the fact that mr biden wants to be the anti trump
0: we talk about the west isn't doing enough and we've heard uh, president Zelensky uh, talk about the no-fly zone are are we in agreement that that would be a bad idea when it comes to the fact that ukraine is not a nato member and we have heard many uh, Western nations that are members saying we couldn't do this, otherwise Russia would see this as an act of war and they would turn on NATO members. Is So when we hear of the critics saying the West has to do more, the sanctions aren't enough, you're not sending us enough military, is that the next step that we keep hearing that more has to be done?
1: There are many steps in between. A no-fly zone is too late. There could have been a no-fly zone prior to the invasion of the rest of Ukraine. When Ukraine clearly was acting as a sovereign state, there were no Russian forces except in the eastern Donbass and in Crimea. The West did not choose that option, and probably it is too late right now because it would mean that the West has to take active measures against Russian forces and possibly even Russian forces inside Russia. So it would no longer be a deterrent, but it would be an engagement. But there's so many other things that can be done. The delivery of S-300 long-range missiles from Slovakia. Slovakia said they're willing to do it. They need to have it replaced by the United States with Patriot missiles. And it should have been done yesterday. And Mr. Biden is wavering. The transfer of MiG fighters, which Poland is willing to hand over, but the Biden administration is intimidated. So in terms of sanctions, the Biden administration is saying there are many more tough sanctions, what exactly are they waiting for?
0: You are listening to On Point. I'm Angela Cocott, filling in for Alex Pearson. My guest this evening is Oral Brown, professor of international relations, political science at the University of Toronto. So when we say, where do we go from here? Is, is this going to be a, a prolonged bloody war?
1: It depends a great deal on what the West does. In many ways, the Ukrainian military forces have performed not just incredibly bravely, but astonishingly, uh, they've been astonishingly effective. But they need to be resupplied. They need uh, many more advanced armaments. They need help in terms of electronic suppression, in terms of uh, real-time intelligence. If they get that, this war may not last that long. If they do not get that, then Vladimir Putin is not going to give up. He's going to inch forward, as he is in eastern Ukraine and in the south. He is trying to crush uh, Mariupol. uh, Mr. Putin is not restrained by international law. We saw last week uh, Russia was ordered by the International Court of Justice to stop this aggressive uh, act, and Russia just thumbed its nose at the International Criminal Court of Justice, the highest international court, because they know that the only recourse that the court would have or anyone would have is to go to the Security Council and get a resolution. But Russia is a member of the Security Council, which has a veto, and they would veto it. Mr. Putin is not restrained by any sense of conscience. Consequently, he needs to be defeated on the battlefield.
0: What will this mean, though, to Vladimir Putin's political future and yes obviously it depends on how this all ends but how the relations that he has built with uh, western nations and europe what will that mean to those relationships in the future
1: those relations uh, are deteriorating, uh, deteriorating very fast and you can see the dramatic change that has taken place in germany germany had allowed itself to be very dependent on Russian energy, therefore it could be manipulated uh, by Russia. Europe uh, in general allowed itself to be dependent. Forty percent of its uh, natural gas was coming from Russia. Thirty percent of uh, oil, roughly, coming uh, from uh, Russia. And uh, Germany, uh, in the face of huge protests, after Zelensky, President Zelensky managed to hold on and fought back, and Ukraine showed the world that you don't have to submit to Russia, that uh, the Russian army is not 10 feet tall. Uh, They changed their policy dramatically, and uh, they are now going to spend 100 billion euros upgrading their armed forces. They are uh, going to meet the 2% of GDP that they had committed themselves, and they were nowhere close to that. So clearly those relations... uh, Uh, are going to be very different uh, with Russia as this continues. But Mr. Putin is in survival mode. He just wants to survive. And if he keeps losing on the battlefield, at some point it's highly likely it's not the oligarchs who are going to get him out. It will be the military and the security forces because they know what is really happening and they have the guns.
0: Professor Brown, thank you so much for your time this evening and your insight. Thank you. Oral Brown, Professor of International Relations, Political Science at the University of Toronto and Associate of the Davis Centre at Harvest University. I'm Angela Cocod, in for Alex Pearson. You're listening to On Point.